Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our city campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. Good morning, church. It'd be good to uh, keep chatting, keep finding those faces to talk to, keep the stories going. We'll have coffee afterwards and get to keep doing that. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Great to have you with us. If you are new with us today, really great to welcome you to church. It's lovely to be here again in the city campus. Thank you, Andrew, for the welcome to be part of today. And look, if you've been tracking with us over the last few weeks, we've, as part of our opening New Doors month for Gateway Beyond, we've also been preaching into a series called Revival. Because our heart has been that the purpose of opening new doors is not just for the, for the sake of creating a bigger church or doing more things, although all of those things will help contribute to the kingdom of God. At the end of the day, what we desperately want is to see God move in our midst. We want to see God touch people's hearts. We want to see lives change. We want to see the brokenhearted healed. We want to see the poor receive a message of hope of the gospel. We want to see the captives come out of prison. We want the power of the gospel that Jesus preached to be the power of the gospel of our time that we live in. This is a relevant gospel. It wasn't just relevant 2,000 years ago, but today more than ever is the hope of our nation. And if there's one thing this nation needs, it needs a move of the Spirit of God. We need to see God move in power and authenticity. We need to see people's eyes open to who He is because He is the hope of the world. He is the light of the world. And so we've been preaching about Jesus. We've been preaching about revival. And probably the key scripture, which I'm sure you've heard here over a number of weeks, has come out of Luke 4 where Jesus has stood up in the temple. It's his first sermon. It's the first opportunity for him to publicly declare something of the mission of who he is. And as it falls for his turn to read, it just so happens the scripture that is, of course, God is never a God of coincidence, is it? It's a God of planning. And there is Jesus, the Son of God, who rises in the synagogue to read from Isaiah 61, which is recorded in Luke 4. It'll come up on the screen just for you to see. And he read these words, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. When Jesus stood to read this, he was standing as the Messiah, but no one could see him. He was standing as the fulfillment of Isaiah 61 when he was saying the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. That's a messianic prophecy. It's a prophecy some hundreds of years before that came to say God is going to send a hope into the world. It will be the Messiah. The Jews were waiting for that Messiah to appear. And as he stood in front of them and as he read the text that actually described the mission he was here to do, no one could see him. I fear that today in this nation, there is a cry going out for that same Jesus, but no one can see him. And it's our job. It's why we're opening more doors, because we know that we need more people to see the hope of that message. And they'll see it because people like you and I, who carry the light and the hope of that, will take it to them. And we will 
through practical, demonstrated, we will, we'll go to their needs. We'll help them in their time of need. But we'll pray with them, we'll stand with them, and they'll see the hope of the gospel. So this morning, what I'd love to do is just take an aspect of this mission of Jesus. I'd just like to unpack it a little bit more for us today. And I want to look at that one line that was in uh, the mission of Jesus about the blind seeing. And there's a key text I'd like to go to in John chapter 9 and verse 1. It'll come up on the screen for those who don't have a device to look at. John chapter 9 and verse 1. And it goes like this. Follow along with me. Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him saying, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind? And Jesus said, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with his saliva. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Therefore, the neighbours and those who previously had seen that he was blind said, Is this not he who sat and begged? I love this bit of scripture. And some said, This is he. Others said, He is like him. He said, I am he. It's almost a... It sounds like a little... Uh, anyway, it doesn't matter what it sounds like. Therefore he said to him, how were your eyes opened? And he answered and said, A man called Jesus made clay, anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and I received sight. And I just pray. Father, this morning, would you open our eyes as we read from your word. God, help us to see something of you today. God, that would inspire us again to know that you truly are the Lord of heaven. You are the Messiah. You are the Son of God. You are the hope of the world. God, you are the light that has been put into this world from which we get hope, from which we can see our future. And Father, as Andrew prayed earlier, Father God, our future is in your hands. God, today would you allow us to see that. Let hope come into our hearts again, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The Bible says that Jesus performs signs and wonders. And all of the miracles that Jesus performed were certainly wonders, but not everything he performed were signs. Because signs point to things, don't they? Signs actually illustrate a direction or a way. The signs that Jesus performed were pointing to the fact that he was Messiah. And so some of the miracles that Jesus did were messianic signs. They were saying, Look at who I am. I am fulfilling scripture by doing this. The healing of this blind man was a messianic sign. And it was for two reasons. One is this is the first time ever in recorded biblical history that anyone had ever been healed of blindness. Look it up. I didn't know that until a few weeks ago when I was doing some research on this. It has never, ever, no one ever been healed from blindness up to that point. This was the very first time someone from birth Blind, completely healed. It was an amazing sign in and of itself, which of course points to Isaiah 61, that the blind will see. But the other thing that was messianic about this was when this happened. The timing of the miracle of God. You know, as, as they were saying, was this man blind because his parents had sinned or because he'd sinned? And Jesus said, no, it's because 
It's a sign. In other words, he says to them, no, this man was born blind so that the glory of God would be revealed in him. There was a moment in time that God had appointed for this man to be free and there was a bunch of things that were accomplished. Just have a look just for a minute. Just go on a little bit of a storytelling journey with me for a couple of minutes on the purpose of the when, when this happened. It was happening at the time of the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, the Feast of Tabernacles is the end of the Jewish calendar. You've got, what you got a picture in your mind here is a festival. But I'm not talking about any festival. Picture World Expo. Picture dancing, pageantry, feasting. The, the priests are dressed up in their finest regalia. There is just food, more food than you can ever imagine. It's everywhere. There are people come. There's about a million extra people flood into the streets of Jerusalem. And there is just, it's crowded. They are living in these tabernacles or these little tents that they make. And they're celebrating the time that God came amongst them, delivered them from the hand of Egypt and walked with them. But the cloud by day, the fire by night was with them amongst them as they journeyed through the wilderness. God came and intervened. But it's also a time for them to look to the future because the Messiah was going to come again and the Jewish nation was saying, God, you will come again and stand in our midst. We know that the Messiah is coming. And so we're going to tabernacle together. And so there was a bunch of things they did to celebrate during the Feast of Tabernacles. Two major ceremonies. One was called the Water Libation Ceremony and the other was called the Festival of Lights. It's just worth understanding this a little bit. The water libation ceremony was this. Imagine in the temple, there are crowds of people. It is a big festival. People press in to see this. It's a spectacle. The priests are dressed up. They walk up to what is known as the Pool of Siloam. The Pool of Siloam is fed by the spring of Gihon. Gihon is the major water supply. Solomon, ages before that, had made sure this water supply could never be corrupted so they couldn't be taken under siege. It was an amazing bit of engineering feat. I haven't got time to talk about it. But in comes this river into the Pool of Siloam. It's the water supply. What you've got to understand, in the, in the Middle East, in ancient times and even probably now, water is more precious than gold because water is life. And so the water is in this spring. And so the priests would walk up single file together. The people would be chanting as they went up. They would dip their big jugs into the water and they'd walk back single file. And they'd go into the temple where the altar is and they'd pour the water over the altar. While on the other side, the priests would get wine, the drink offering, and they'd pour the wine on the altar at the same time. The water and the wine would mix. And as that was happening, the people would recite from Isaiah 12. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For Yah the Lord is my strength and song. He has also become my salvation. Therefore, with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. And they would chant this together and there would be this celebration happening by day. The water wasn't just about the life of now. It wasn't just about the harvest that was coming. It was that but it was also about the Ruach HaKodesh, the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit. Because what they were saying is, Holy Spirit, come again. Holy Spirit, come present, refresh our hearts, refresh our souls, refresh us as a people. And so the ceremony was talking about a spiritual and a natural thing that was happening together. At night time, 
there was another ceremony called the Festival of Lights. And there's these four great big candelabra that would sit in the middle of the temple, if you can, 40 foot high, massive things. And they would light these candles ceremoniously. And as they did, the light, it was said, could be seen in the hills all around Jerusalem. The temple would glow like it was being lit up electronically. Of course, it wasn't, but it was amazing how it would be seen. And as the light was taking place, they would light this amazing source and this light would emanate. They'd have Isaiah 42 would be on the lips of the people. And they'd be saying this as one voice, I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness and will hold your hand. I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the Gentiles, to open blind eyes, to bring out prisoners from the prison, those who sit in darkness from the prison house. The festival of lice was messianic. It was talking about there's going to come a Messiah one day who will stand in our midst. And as he stands in our midst, he will restore our glory as a nation. And once again as a nation, we will be a light to the Gentiles. We will fulfill the Abrahamic promise given thousands of years before, saying we will be that nation that brings salvation. Rich history. Sometimes it's hard for us to grasp, but it's rich in its symbolism. But it's very messianic. Now, what you've got to picture is those two ceremonies would happen every day for seven days. And as every day went on, the intensity would build. It would get bigger and bigger. Because on the seventh day, it was called the last great day. And it would be moving. And the people knew that once you got to five and six, and then you got to seven, once you got to the seventh day, this was the great day. You had to have a little bit of energy still left in the tank because we're going to celebrate. We're not just going to do those ceremonies like we did on day one or day two or day three. We're going to, we're going to celebrate. And they get to the last great day. And as they get to the last great day, and at the end of the festival of lights at nighttime, the priests would take these, these willow branches in their hands and around the altar, they would beat them on the ground and they'd say these exact words. Come, Messiah, come. Come, Messiah, come. Come, Messiah, come. And they go round and round and round, almost in a chant-like prayer. And then at the end of the chant-like prayer, there'd be a silence across the crowd. Like a hush. And the people would wait. And the purpose of that was to wait to listen for the Ruach HaKodesh, the Spirit, the breath of God. And they would wait and look up. Is this the night the Messiah will come? Is what they would say. And in the drama of that silence, thousands of people pressing into that moment, John chapter 7 verse 37 happens. And it goes like this. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And everyone stops. The Messiah has just declared himself in the midst of the drama. Thousands of people turn to look. No one could see him. He, would be, he was there physically. But no one understood the magnitude of the moment of what they were witnessing. What he was saying is, you know, all that water that you've been pouring on the altar, I am that water. 
I am the personification. I am the one. If you drink from me, if you come to me, I am the one that will give you life. He was putting himself, the symbolism now didn't have as much power because the manifestation was in front of them. The power of God was in their midst. And that was day seven. And then we go to day eight. And that's when our story starts to happen. The scene has been set. And two big signs happen on the Sabbath day, which is the eighth day of the festival. The first is the woman caught in adultery. We all know the story. You know, she's been caught in adultery. The Pharisees bring her out. They throw her into the, into the middle of the, the crowd that's there. And they say to Jesus, wanting to trap him, she's been caught in adultery. The law says we should stone her. What say you, O great Messiah? And Jesus goes down on the ground and he draws and he pretends not to hear them. Quite amazing. And then they ask him again and he stands and he says, he who has no sin, cast the first stone. And then he goes and draws on the ground again. And they disperse slowly and he's left in the end with just the woman and the woman says, where are your, he says, where are your accusers, woman? She says, they've gone. He said, well, I don't accuse you either. Go your way and sin no more. Why was that messianic? Because Jesus had not come to judge the world, but to save the world. This was not a moment for judgment. Jesus had come to release the captives from prison. The woman was in prison, imprisoned by her own behavior, imprisoned by the law, imprisoned by all those things. You can say, yes, but isn't that justice? Well, not, not for Jesus, because Jesus rewrites what justice is. Where, the, where human beings say, kill them, Jesus says, free them. Where human beings say, you're wrong, Jesus says, I won't judge you. When human beings say, oh, I've got a standard you've got to live by and you've got to do this, this and this, Jesus says, come as you are. I'll take you as you are. Because the great Messiah was not here to judge. This is not his season for judgment. That day will come. Make no mistake that they will come, but that was not his season. So he says, you're free. Just don't sin again. And then we move to the blind man. And so he's walking out of that situation straight to the blind man. And now he sees the blind man and it's messianic time again. See, that's why this story is so powerful. You've got to see the build-up. You've got to see the context. You've got to see the story. It's pulsing with, with, with symbolism and timing. And what does Jesus do? What Jesus does isn't just blasé or glib. He takes from his mouth saliva and he mixes it on the ground with soil, with dirt and makes clay. You say, ooh, <laughs> Jesus, that's dirty. <laughs> but see, that's not what Jesus was doing. Why? This is, remember, this is the creator of the world. This is the word made flesh. This is the one who stood before the beginning of time and said, let there be light. Out of his mouth comes creative power. It always has. The will of the father declared on the earth is the role of the son. The son declares the will of the father. And so he takes from the fruit of his mouth, he takes the spittle, the saliva that just came out of my mouth then as I'm speaking. And he takes that and he mixes it with the dirt the flesh, where flesh was formed by. And then he says this, go and wash it in the Holy Spirit. 
go and combine what was come. My word with spirit will bring life. My word with spirit cures blindness. Those who are spiritually blind will see when through my word the spirit opens it to you. Can you see? He wasn't just healing a blind man. He was sending a message to us thousands of years later saying, the word and the spirit set you free. What a powerful word from God. And in the midst of all that, he was declaring, I am Messiah. The blind will see. Isaiah 61 is being fulfilled in your midst. And the challenge, folks, is today is that Australia looks at Jesus and doesn't see who he is. As a church, it's got to break our heart that that's true. As a church, we've got to cry for it. Because he stands in the marketplace. And like it says in Revelation 3, he says, Behold, I stand at the door of your life and I knock. And if anyone will hear my voice and open the door, I'll come in. Folks, we're opening new doors because Jesus is knocking on them. He wants them open. He's trying to get into the hearts and minds of people. He wants them to see who he is. But their blindness, see the word and the spirit, the word has to go out so the spirit can quicken the word. Otherwise, it's just Jesus, the historical figure. It's just Jesus, the guy that wasn't he some good man of the past? What relevance does Jesus have? I remember I worked for SU Queensland many years ago and I remember being part of a trip where our chaplains took some kids into a Catholic church for a site visit, just to kind of go on site. Many of these kids have never even walked into a church. This young boy I was standing next to as we walked in, looked up and saw Jesus hanging on the cross and said these words, who's that bloke? That's blindness. Who's that bloke? He couldn't even tell me his name, let alone who he is, let alone Messiah, let alone creator of the world, let alone saviour of my soul. In some ways, it's an opportunity because they're not impressioned by who he's not. They're a blank canvas who say, well, who is this guy? Well, I'll tell you who he is. In fact, let me show you who he is. Ah, he'll change your life. He's the hope of the world. The word and the spirit the word that comes from Jesus' mouth, quickened by the Holy Spirit, and our blindness flees, and Australia comes back to God. And Australia finds revival. And our job at Gateway, I think, is to join with every other church who hears the call of revival in this time and says, I'm in. I'm in. In other words, we don't look at our lives anymore just through the practical well, I've got to be practical. I've got to be practical. Yes, we do have to be practical, but we've got to be spiritual. We've got to be a people that will see with the eyes of the Spirit and perceive prophetically the time we're in. Because it's those that saw Jesus through those eyes when he stood in the marketplace, they said, yeah, that's the Messiah. Now, they deserted him at the cross. Now, they came back to him later. 3,000 of them on the day of the Pentecost remembered again. Why? Because the Spirit of God reminded them. The Ruach HaKodesh came around their heart and they went, oh, that's right. We crucified him, but he was the saviour of our soul. 5,000 came to Jesus a couple of days after that again and the Spirit of God moved. That's what we want in this nation. That's what we want. That's the power of God.
The inner world of anxiety and loneliness and feeling of lostness, purposelessness. What is my mortal frame all about? I live my 80 years and I go home or I die or I don't exist. What is the purpose of life? It's answered in Jesus. It's answered in Jesus. And Australia needs Jesus. Australia needs Jesus. We need a revelation of Jesus and they're looking for signs. Where are the signs of Messiah? Well, church, can I encourage you today? It's in you. You're the one with the signs. The Spirit of God on the inside of you will bring the signs and wonders that this world still needs. People say, oh, the signs and wonders, they, they, uh, they died out with the apostles. Well, that seems funny to me because people still need to see them. People still need proof. They still need the evidence that God is God. It's not enough to look up and see the stars and the sky and the sun and the moon and, and the earth that rotates and the wonder of air and the miracle of your body and the way it, the, it, that's pretty good, I reckon. We can't see God in all that, apparently. We still need another sign. But God says, I'm merciful, I'm just, I'll give you some more signs if you need them. And they're in my people, they're in my church. The needs of people haven't changed. There are those that still need hope when hope has been stolen. There are those who are still living in prisons of troubled emotions. There are those who are still living under the burden of oppression. And there are still those who are blind to who he is. Church, we need to open some physical doors. We're going to have to presence ourselves in the community, otherwise they won't know him. We have got to open more doors. We have to. Someone's got to. We're not saying at Gateway we're the only ones that are going to. No, no, far from it. Lord Jesus, raise up every good church you possibly can. Let's go back to churches on every street corner if we could. But until that's not our mandate. Our mandate is, God, what do you want us to do? We let us sign up to do our bit. We must open more physical doors. But church, we're not opening these doors because it's just a building. We're opening these doors because it's spiritual opening. The light comes in when the doors get opened. That's what we want. And if we can see next week in the context of that faith, my encouragement to you is this, step into what God is doing. Don't just approach next week through the eyes of practicality. I know we need to be practical. I know we have to be wise. We've got to look after our families. We do. But I also know we serve a God who is miraculous. If we will step out on the water with him, he will step out on the water with us. And he will say, come, come. How far do you want to come with me? Probably the last question I'd like to leave with you and probably the thing that inspires me about this story today is the mission of Messiah is to stand in the gap for those who can't stand for themselves. Stand in the gap. See, the broken, he sees them, but he stands in the gap and reaches for them. He wants us to stand with him. That's what the call is. That's all revival is. Revival is us just seeing things from a different perspective again. Revival is just our eyes become open to the blindness of what we thought reality was and we see what God is doing and we go, ah, that's what he's doing. And we just follow after him. Revival is just the church waking up. I know I need that message and I know our church needs that message. 
I think it's the thing that will fulfill us the most. Could we pray? Could we pray? Lord Jesus, today, we have the privilege of knowing that you are Messiah. You are the promised one. You are the king of the kingdom. You are the one who has come to set us free. Father, we have the privilege of not being blind to the truth of that, but looking back through the history of Scripture and knowing in our own story too the way you have changed us, what you have done for us, what you continue to do in us. And God, we are grateful. Thank you. Thank you. Father, we pray today, God, that you would move afresh by your Spirit, that, God, you would take the things God, that you've called us to do and you'd anoint them and you'd empower them. Father God, that the Spirit of the Lord would come upon us too. God, that it wouldn't just be good works, but it would be the Spirit of the Lord is upon us because he has anointed us to be the hands and feet of Jesus. God, would you stir us, Lord, that we could be those people. God, that's our cry today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? I just really believe there's some, just some ministry of the Spirit that God wants to do with each one of us. Just a moment of encounter that actually takes place in the secret place of our heart. It it's doesn't have to be something that's necessarily very public, but that there's this little shift that the Holy Spirit brings inside us that can sometimes change the entire direction of our life. And it's not the directional change that we're looking for. It's actually the connection to purpose that matters. It's the connection to eternity that matters so that the thing I'm doing today has some relevance to what God is doing in this earth that my life matters because God says it does and because God's put me on an assignment. If we can know that in our heart, then what we do today is energised by the Spirit of God. It's brought to life by the Spirit of God. No matter what your trade is and whatever, what your vocation is, no matter what it is that you do today, if it's connected to the purpose of the Spirit of God, it's a mighty calling. But if it's just a job, then we don't feel like it's that. And sometimes it's just the visitation of the Spirit that comes to us and says, I've called you and I appointed you. You're not there by accident. You're there because I told you to go. You may not have realised it at the time, but I'm letting you know today I've put you there. You're my, per you're my servant. You're on mission for me. And we get the realisation of that and we go, ah. I'm part of what God's doing in this time. And I reckon across our church, God wants to pour out that revelation across our people. He wants them to know that's what I'm here for. And if that's you today, if you'd say to me, I want that visitation of the Spirit. I want the Spirit of God to once again reestablish me in where I am. Or if I'm not where I need to be, Spirit of God, reveal to me where I should be. And give me the courage to take action. If that's you, I just want you to put your hand up where you are because I'm going to pray a corporate prayer over us that the Spirit of God would move, that there would be a visitation of God upon you. 
If you want that refreshed to the call of God, whack your hand up right now. We're going to pray. We're going to pray over you. What your hand up is basically saying is, God, I am drawing from you this morning. And the business you're doing is not between you and me. It's between you and Him. Kind of that's you, just nice and high. Whack that up right now. We're going to pray. I want you to reach out by faith. God, you see every hand that's up. You see every heart that is reaching to you. You see on the inside, God, what we only see on the outside. But you see what's happening. God, I pray for a release of your power this morning. God, would you blow into this room? Would you cause your breath, Father God, to blow into every heart? God, would you cause your fire, Father God, to just be impassionate, released upon every life? God, I pray there would come revelation. God, the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened. God, that we would see. We would begin to see this time that we live in. God, we see the positioning of our lives. We'd understand the purpose for which you've got us here. Because no man or woman here is here by accident. God, you have appointed them. Just as you appointed the blind man to be a person of signs to the kingdom. God, you've appointed us. Because our life matters to you. God, you want to use us. You want us to be effective across this nation. God, would you fill every heart with purpose? Would you fill every heart with revelation and power? God, for those that need the courage for a new season, God, let that courage come, I pray today. God, I pray you'd show them so very clearly and give them the faith to act. We are your people and you are our God. And we declare you today. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. Look, I'd love us just to, just to sing this worship song together if we could. I, I feel like there's a declaration in it for the time we're in. And uh, I, I guess too, I'd love there to be a bit of space for you now just to put your eyes to heaven and just worship Him. Just allow that transaction between you and Him to continue from what we've just prayed. Let's let these guys lead us, can we? We hope you've been blessed by this message. If we can pray for you or you would like to take a further step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to connect with you. Please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au and click on Get Connected to let us know.